0: Blog Talk Radio
1: It's the Gridiron Studs Show And a promo that's got the flow Football knowledge from toe to toe With Amo, Calamino, and the other host You already know, Chad Wilson brings you the show Dial us up, give us a call We're waiting
2: here to talk some ball Three four seven six thirty three ninety three sixty five 9365 is the number to call. So
1: don't sit around, no time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts, Emil and Chad with your breakfast toast. Are we on here?
2: Are we on? We're here. January 9th, we're already nine days into the new year. I mean, didn't we just put down the champagne glass? We're nine years into this new year. I hope you haven't wasted any of uh, these nine days into the year 2015. Hopefully you haven't fallen off of your new year resolution already. you got to at least get through the month of January. Nevertheless, uh, we are here. It is uh, time to talk some football. NFL, college football, all that good stuff. We'll be doing that here with you for the next hour or so. Emil and I, and if you want to join us on the show today, it's 347-633-9365. Coming up, we're going to preview the big-time matchups in the NFL, both in the AFC and NFC playoffs this weekend. We'll talk a little college football. We'll find out what is the deal with the NFL. Did they or did they not see the Ray Rice tape? Uh, We'll touch on... A number of issues like that. If you want to bring something to the table, again, feel free to do so on the show today. The number is 347-633-9365. We will also take your questions and comments on Twitter, so long as they are uh, reasonably, reasonably sensible. You can do so at Gridiron Studs. And we can move on from there. Are we
3: still going on about the Ray Rice video? I saw that all over yesterday. Are we
2: still doing that? It is. Uh, there was uh, a report put out. You know the report by what's? Who's the resident report guy? Mueller. Yeah. With, yeah. He Rhymes does with reports Durer. on
3: everything. He's I guess because he was, yeah. he's the head of the FBI. He can do. A,
2: can he do a report on our show someday? Can we get him to listen? Well, I don't know. I think the next time my kids screw up, I'm gonna have Mueller come in and do a 1,200 page report on just exactly what the hell happened. Your kids are so, like that
3: because they know they know you're too lazy to read it.
2: Yeah, I think most Americans are too lazy to read the 5,000-page reports that uh Mueller comes out with. He just destroys you with uh, mountains of uh papers and no one's going to read it. And whereby now, you know, you know, whatever side thinks they can get away with something can do so cuz the uh actual evidence will be tucked away and I I forgot how many different phone calls uh it was said that were were examined having to do with this case. It was an ungodly amount. So oh yeah. To the point where I'm like, I'm like, okay, stop, stop lying. Yeah, like please. you're kidding me, stop right? Lying. No, you didn't examine um, 12,000 phone calls. There weren't 12,000 phone calls made uh, about this. So can you please just stop lying to us? So yes,
1: I'm with you. One day we'll all learn. One day we'll
2: all learn exactly what it is uh Mueller's reports are all about, and um you know we'll get we'll get the real deal as it comes down. Here are the facts uh Mueller's report is ninety six pages long okay ninety six pages long uh at the end of the day, Mueller is saying there is no evidence to support that the uh National Football League and Roger Cadell saw the uh video of what took place with Ray Rice and his wife prior to handing out their decision. Wow, so in fact, so in fact, the report is stating that uh the n f l learned of this video uh at the same time we all did off of uh, good old t m z how about TMZ? so
3: they- they learned it off they learned it off t m z huh
2: just like all the rest of us so uh I mean we can all go work for the n f l we're gonna get the same we're gonna we're gonna get the news the same time as they are that's the world we're living in now my friend yeah, yeah you i mean <laughs>
0: That's where we're well, at. I, I don't know what okay, to well, say.
3: I mean, it's like the story that won't go away. It's just like, okay.
2: We're, I don't cool. know what we all can get out of this. I I don't know if it 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 makes Roger Goodell look better or does it make him look worse? I mean, if you're saying better, then you could say, okay, well, then he gets a pass for ruling the way that he did. If you're inclined to not like the uh, commissioner, you could say, well, how is it that he doesn't get uh, this information or a piece of a videotape before everyone else. Is it just willful ignorance? Well, well I mean, wait a cold, second. Now,
1: cold. come on. That's not. I mean, it, the president stuff like think does it all boils like down to how you feel about the
2: commissioner going in, Right. not it? Isn't that how it all depends. Works?
3: It's like politics. The president makes statements like that. So why can't the commissioner? He says, "Hey, I learned about it on TV." I mean, maybe it's plausible. I mean, it's not like these guys. There's there's a, millions of things going on anymore. Your cell phone's blowing up all the time. It's not like you can sit and know everything that's going on all the time.
2: hmm Yeah. Right. No, there's there's no doubt about it. But when you're getting paid, what is it, forty something million dollars? Um, I guess I guess you, they're figuring you're paid to know. Yeah. You're paid to know yeah, all these things before us. It's valid. I mean, you're so you are
3: paid to know, but sometimes you don't. I mean, you know.
2: I mean, this is an important issue going on in your league, right? The Ray Rice thing, and not whether or not Joe Blow had his socks up high enough in the game. <laughs> last well, week, I don't know. Right? I mean, you, you have, is, to I
3: mean, have to ask. You have to ask Roger if you can get him on the show because it seems like he gets more concerned with where your socks are and what your sneakers say,
2: I and what kind I of headphones like you have the on. Hi, the higher, yeah, the hierarchy of, um, of 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 issues there. Where where does this uh, particular thing? fall. So that's going to be cycling through your timelines and your news cycles here over the next 24 hours until something else of importance happens. Oh, like maybe a couple of these games that we've got going down this weekend. Some really, really big matchups headed our way. Green Bay and Dallas is probably the headliner. You do have uh, old foes meeting. It just seems like every year the Ravens are meeting the Patriots in the playoffs. We not to the Patriots' liking, again.
3: even if they don't want to admit it. I mean, they may win the game, but I'm sure, you know, deep down inside, it's like, um, yeah. send somebody else up here, please.
2: Yeah, the Ravens have been a thorn in the side of the Patriots on many occasions in uh, recent playoff history. It is happening, again, the meeting. Um, not so much, maybe we'll, who knows. We'll, we'll uh, dissect what we think is going to happen in that one. The Seahawks taking on the Panthers. Um, will there be more than 12 total points scored in that game? Aimla and I will uh, crack that open and see if we can get. Yeah, we can discuss. To, uh, we can discuss that, that one. one.
3: I mean, I'm, we'll, we'll, I'm. I'll be interested to hear what you say too. I mean, I don't know if yeah, there'll be 12 points scored.
2: There, I mean, it could be a punt pass and kick fest. Um, we would, the the Seahawks and the Panthers will be the anti Colts Broncos game. Is that is that what we're saying? We'll discuss that and uh, we'll try to figure out just how many points we expect uh, the Colts and the Broncos to score and, you know, who we like and that. So all that's uh, coming up on the show today. College football has a big game coming up Monday. Is that is that uh, what I understand to be happening? We you have a show Monday. A I think we should
3: on? save the majority of the college talk for Monday because that's going to be our uh, – So you want to do an
2: hour-plus of NFL talk? Is that what you're telling me? You're such a well, I mean, we fan. get. To, I mean,
3: listen, you – can drive the topics because you are the moderator as they would say so if you want to well, i got to talk you about here college, for
2: a reason so you know you want to talk you know, about college football
3: i'm glad to talk about it it's a great game i mean but i'm saying we have a show monday and we're going to talk about what happened on the weekend but then i'm thinking most of the listeners are going to be tuned in thinking hey big game tonight i want to hear about it but whatever you want i i'm glad to talk about it
2: you think we you think you're on the show to think you think that's why you're here man <laughs> Oh, yeah, oh, you're that, gonna coach me what, now? This,
3: yeah. I don't pay you yeah, to yeah. think, son. Yeah, there. Give it is. me one of those. There it Give is. me your best coach. Give me your best coach voice. I don't pay you to think.
2: Well, it won't. It look when you when you're talking like a coach, you 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 know you got to get a little southern drawl in there because it doesn't matter if you're from eastern New England. Uh, all <laughs> coaches want to talk like they're from some part of Texas, and uh, you're gonna be a guy for us, Emil, and we just. So pleased that we're excited about having you here on the show and being a part of what we do here on the Gridiron Stud show. And Uh, now stop thinking, Abel. Stop thinking, please. Yeah, we're not bringing you here to think. We're just bringing you here to, you know, bring some excitement to the fans and just be a part of what we've got going on here. Isn't that how all the coaches talk? Ben, you almost sounded uh, like a guy doing some recruiting
3: for the University of Texas. Charlie Strong here is you. He's not going to want you in anybody's living room.
2: Uh, Listen, I promise you that's how they all sound. I don't care if they're from Oregon, if they're from San Diego, or if they grew up in New York City eating cheese pizza. When they come in your house, they are going to talk to you like they are from some part of Texas. Uh, That's just how it always seems to work. And they use terms like, well, we're just really excited uh to, to to have you I mean find a coach that doesn't come in someone's house and use the word if you barred them from using the word excited they may convulsive It would be over. You know, it's crazy. funny, that
3: sounds almost like when they have the draft in May and every mm-hmm. uh you you got me totally off topic now. Every GM and coach <laughs> that you ask about the draft tells you they're excited. Now, who who do you ask it says, No, man, I really hated our picks. They sucked
2: I mean, but it's just amazing how that is used, and I'm pretty sure if I became a college football coach, uh, I'd probably fall into that same thing. But they say it about everyone. Uh, coach, we want to talk to you about your 12th round pick, Eric yeah. Anderson, out of Northeast South uh, Mississippi. Uh, tell us about it. Well, we're really excited uh, to to have him here, be a part of what we're doing, and we can't wait to have him be a part of the first cuts that we do in training camp because there's no way in high hell he's going to make this ball Or up. you could do the but college coach. You could time. combine
3: everything with that <laughs> Texas voice. We're here talking to Coach Calamino, head coach at the University of Texas, about his recruiting class. We are just so excited to bring in 25 of these young men. I tell you, this is probably the best best recruiting class I've had here since I've been at UT. I mean, it's, it's a, I yeah. thought last year's class was good. But, I mean, when I look around and I see the talent in that room, I'm just, I just—I just can't wait for spring ball.
2: Yes, absolutely. I can tell you that this kid that we have pulled out of Indiana is just, well, we, we we're just so excited. We feel he's even better than the Heisman Trophy uh, winner and first overall pick that we had last year. We're talking right now he's better than him. I mean, it's just great. It's just a cycle. Well, wait, what if it's the opposite and,
3: and the coach, you say to him, hey, Coach, um, you just mentioned last year's class. You guys went five and seven. Well, you know, we didn't get all those kids on the field. I mean, you know, we had some red shirts <laughs> and some academic problems.
2: <laughs> we we need a segment on here with Coach Spin. Uh, just a total segment overwhelmed with Coach Spin and uh it, it and have it be something like the daily show i'm seriously yeah i'm telling here. you how it's about how about the halftime fair. look
3: though you have to give the coaches some credit i always tell you this how about the look on their faces when most of the time these women now run up to them especially in the nfl at ha- going into the locker room at halftime coach coach uh you're down uh 20 to 3 here at halftime uh Do you plan to change anything in the second half? And, you know, they look at these people, like, incredulously, like, no, no, we'll just keep doing the same thing, and maybe it'll end up 40 to 6. We'll just keep running the same plays, same schemes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's, uh, man, it's it's amazing. We uh, digress. Let's get back to the games
3: on the field. We're going to end up having a comedy hour here.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, So we're not. We're going straight we're going to stray away from the whole Oregon Ohio state. We're just not going to talk about that at all, are we? Serious?
3: Well, we can talk about it. I mean, I'm if you want to do you have some off-field stuff you're interested in a little bit?
2: No. Uh listen, I'm 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 interested in your thoughts about the whole college football playoff thing. Well, I mean, listen, big. it's let's been better about, than I thought it would be. Let's talk about it's going to move to 8. Yeah. Um uh, once again college football wins. I don't know, I might be mad about that, but
3: yeah, and no. It's been um, listen. They, it's been better than I thought it would be. I admit that. I think I think they did a you know a good job setting this up. I mean, as I said, I think if they really look back, even though they they're going to probably disagree, in retrospect, the sweet spot is probably eight teams. I originally uh, pined for sixteen. The more I think about it, um, sixteen maybe too many. I mean, sometimes more is not better. I mean, the more I thought about it, and I said, yeah, you know. In a perfect world, you know, saying that, well, we can schedule uh, Troy University, so if they win the Sun Belt, they should be in the playoff. Well, let's be honest, this mm-hmm. isn't basketball. You need a lot of players in football. In basketball, if you have a two or three studs on a, on a small school, you can beat anybody in football. Troy isn't beating Alabama in the first round. It isn't happening. Um I don't need to see Alabama or whoever plays Troy in the first round. That's no disrespect to Troy. They've had some great football players, but I'm just using them as an mm-hmm. example. So I think eight is probably the sweet spot. Five conferences, mm-hmm. five champions, three at large. Urban Meyer doesn't think so. He thinks to play that extra game, he needs 110 scholarships, quote-unquote. Uh, uh,
2: well, like So what, wear and tear?
3: Yes, he said that, yeah, you know, we had, about- we got 85 scholarships, and that was when we, we played 12 games, and now if we have a, an 18 playoff, you're going to be looking at 15 games, and, you know, those last three are not against small schools, they're against heavyweights, they're prize fights, um I, you mm-hmm. know, give me 110 scholarships, it's like, hey, Urban, you're not going to be doing that every year, <laughs> yeah. unless you're lucky.
2: Urban's on his third string quarterback. Can you have a little bit of sympathy for his argument there? He's experiencing what it is he's talking about. And he's as, in the championship well, game cuz guess what? At Ohio
3: State, and schools of that ilk, you typically unless you unless you're undergoing a, you know, some sort of restrictions when you got your 85 scholarships,
0: your third quarterback's
2: pretty damn good. Uh, True, very, very true. That's not a luxury that would be found at maybe uh, the team that makes it in. Northern uh, Illinois doesn't go to their third quarterback and win the MAC,
3: more or less play for the championship.
2: All I'm saying is,
3: you know, his his argument against eight to me is a little bit silly. You're talking a game. um, You know, college rosters are, are, you know, when they're at full strength, counting walk-ons, they're running out 90 and 100 kids. They have plenty to practice with. Uh, You know, uh, come on. I mean
2: Yeah um so yeah I I get it I think you know what I actually think four is fine if it goes to eight I w- you know I won't be mad but I kind of like four Well you know like it because lame. what
3: you're seeing is the benefit of it it's created an excitement and talk and all that stuff and I agree with you if that's listen if you're if your goal <laughs> You know
2: what listen wait 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 time out what is college football without the exclusion That's what college football's always been about hey, you're good, but you're not going to win the championship. Hey, you're good, but you're not going to be in this thing. And it just causes all of this debate and fires people up and all that. And uh, that's what's what's college football if it isn't that?
3: Well, part of the charm of college football is it it isn't pro football in that in pro football, you know, there's eight teams playing this weekend. You know, they're probably – the only eight teams in the league that can, at the end of the year are going to be able to say we had a good year, depending on expectations. I mean, you know, I, I'll give you an example. I think Dallas could lose Sunday and they had a really good year. If Green Bay loses, I'm not so sure. Um, but in college, the charm of college, depending on the expectations and where your program is at, 20 or 30 teams can say they had a really good year. And that's part of the charm of it. So yeah, yeah. if that's your and goal... I if we
2: get to 16, If we if we get to 16, then... Uh, then it's the NFL. It's a junior version of the NFL, and I don't know if college football wants to put itself uh, in that. In, in, you know, in I, listen, that
3: and I get that, and that's why I've come off my sixth team, but I do think in, in the spirit of we are talking about a competitive sport, I think it's fair that when you have five major conferences that most sane people would agree in a sport like football are the teams that are going to win championships and are the best teams. Occasionally you'll have a team jump into the party and they can get in i think if you have eight you let those five in automatically and then you let the boise state of the world get in as an at-large if they earn it that year you you, you have a place for a notre dame if they earn it but the way it's set up now you know the exclusion to me it while it creates interest you're 100 percent right i'm not sure you mm. just you know it's it's necessarily what you want to do in, in, in a sport that is about competition
2: uh, agreed, agreed, and we'll just see where this. I mean, it's interesting goes. for
3: Chad and Emil because we do a show and talk about it, so that's fun, and it's interesting for the ESPNs and Foxes and all that. But is it interesting so those for the, are the kid people at that t- drive
2: college football at this point, Emil. But how about the kid that,
3: at TCU who you know played his butt off this year, played on a you know 13 and one team? Tough man. Yeah, I guess is, I don't
2: know. This is this has gone on in uh, it's it's this is what's going on in college football. Forever, and it just doesn't seem like it's going to change. And there's been a host I of. I think schools, you're going to my, get the listen, eight. I really
3: think you're going to end up at eight. I think at one point, what's going to happen here is, you know, the, these guys at these five conferences are going to get in a room and look at each other and say, okay, this year maybe the Big Twelve got screwed. And he's going to look across the table and say to the, you know, the Big Ten, some year it's going to be you. We can eliminate all this by just saying, we go to eight. You know, because then our champions are always in.
2: Um, true uh, Maybe it forces some people to Get their act together Big 12 hint, Notre Dame, Hilt uh, Oh no, 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 know. no!
3: you're right It will force teams to get their act together But I just think that, I mean, let me put it this way I'm not saying it's going to happen next year, obviously I think Urban's argument Though is a little specious to me I mean, if if he's worried about the extra game There's ways around that every, You make every conference have a, t- a championship game And you go back to the 11-game Regular season you know we've slowly in the last 12 years 15 years migrated to this 12 game regular season before championship games for the longest time it was 11 games you don't need you know if you're playing nine conference games two out of conference is fine and maybe you eliminate all these these games against one double a's you play two out of conference it would be game, nice
2: yep you know you Cut go you
3: you you pick yourself a a power 5 conference you know two of them early Maybe you have a game August 31st. You take a week off to get ready, you know, to prepare. That's almost like, hey, we're going to fine-tune. You play a second game, and now you go to your conference. And if you're guaranteed a shot at the championship by winning your conference, you can afford to lose that game on August 31st when you go play USC or Alabama or they play each other. It's not going to matter as much with a guaranteed spot. And they're urban. It's solved. Now you played 11 games. You get to your championship game. There's your 12th and then you have your your eight teams which if you made the championship you got three games
2: done i've I've learned this about some of the top coaches in college football uh and just in in coaching in general uh they seem to lobby quite a bit um they they know that they have a certain amount of power in the sport and they will uh use that power to lobby for things that they feel the need to have in their uh, to their advantage, and I mean it's just a microcosm of what goes on in life in general. But uh, we had we had Nick Saban um, trying to bring death to hurry up offenses. Did we not have that last year? That was the story last well, year. Yeah. Now the, Urban Mind trying to They, yeah, they lobby
3: from. against things that, that don't benefit them. That's human nature. I mean, listen, there's certain programs, and you know this, okay? Over the course of time, certain schools programs have not shied away. From playing a lot of big games, and some of them like mm-hmm. to pick them, like a heavyweight. You know, they like like you know some heavyweights. You know, well they they pick and choose the guy they want to fight. And I you know I, I just to urban I get a sense of yeah I like running through Illinois and those schools most of the year. Occasionally I'll go mm-hmm. step up and beat up on Michigan State or Wisconsin, and then I'm willing mm-hmm. to play two more games against really good teams with a chance to win it. You know he doesn't want that third one.
2: Yeah, uh, you're right, you're right. We'll just have to see where this goes. It looks like it's going to be pretty successful for uh, the powers that be in college football. It was good, though. I mean, listen, we, we
3: both of us, I think, are saying one thing. We probably jumped the gun and were too hard on college football. I think I think what they gave us this year was far better than where we were ever at. So, you know, kudos to them. They did a nice job. It beat, it beat the old silly uh, BCS and anything else before that in
2: my mind. Yeah, in the end, they always seem to win financially because well, they got a great gonna, uh, product.
3: That's why they got a great product.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we'll see. We'll see how this all works out. We'll, you know, the the ratings are going to go through the roof. But uh, speaking of college football, there's a lot of movement going around in the coaching world, and there's one particular coach that I'm being that I'm hearing may have a maybe moving to the NFL. Man, what tidal waves will that send off? We'll talk about that and more when we get back on the Gridiron Stud show right after this. The 7-on-7 season. Summer basketball. Family picnics all around the corner and you're paying big money for t-shirts from screen printers why screen printed t-shirts are costly when done for small groups they're limited in color unless you want to pay an even higher price more colors mean higher prices how do we solve this do it yourself at home with your inkjet printer and a hand iron that's right with heat transfer paper sold at t you can design your own logos put any wording you want print it on your inkjet print paper and using the proper paper sold by t you can get this the way that you want it. There's no limit to the amount of color or the design. You can transfer a photograph using this paper. It's great for team sports. It's great for family reunions. It's great for birthday gifts. The t-shirt is part of the American culture and now you can design your own. Don't worry if you haven't done it before. T-Shirt Supplies has the first-rate customer service. They will help you get
1: the paper you want for your project and steer you in the right direction. Visit them now at tshirtsupplies.com. That's T-shirts, notes, hyphen, Supplies Plural, all one word dot com. Or call them at 877 857 2737 That's one 877 85 paper t shirtsuppliescom Go there now. Hey, hey, hey. Do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined
2: all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payout. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one day contest for $25, and get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com
1: and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! In season, out of season, Fitspeed.com gives you the edge. Over 150 professional athletes and
2: 5,000 youth and high school athletes as clients. Over 2,500 square feet of indoor turf. That includes two indoor 50-yard lanes, plus a fully equipped weight room with the latest and most technically advanced equipment available. That's over 8,000 square feet of total workout space. Plus, they have the best training staff anywhere in the country. It's owned by current NFL wide receiver Brandon Marshall. It's why athletes like Chad Ochocinco work out there and it's why you should work out there too if you want to be the best get on your grind
1: and visit fitspeed.com today
2: We're back on the Gridiron Stud Show here, Chad Wilson, Amo Calamito. It's a Friday weekend preview edition of the Gridiron Stud Shows. We are coming down to the end of the football season. Wow, we always say this, that went by really, really quick, didn't it? Well, we love Luba. football,
3: right? It's almost like, it's almost like I, it. I always struggle with this. You know, I always say hypothetically, if they could play year-round, would I want them to? And I'm not sure I would only because what what makes it special is that you wait for it. Does that make any sense to you?
1: Yes.
2: Um it is. Just uh you know, I hate waiting so long, but you know what? There is no off season anymore. So
3: No, but you I think you uh, understand what I mean. I mean, you you probably take sunshine for granted more than I do living in South Florida. So yeah, you, know, you have a sunny day. I'm not sure you appreciate every one of them nearly as much as me because when the sun comes here in late March, I'm like, "Wow." That's cool.
2: Yeah, no, I could certainly understand that. And I've lived up north, albeit quite some time ago. But I could uh, certainly uh, sympathize with uh, your view on that. So I get it. Uh, same deal with college football or football season in general. Uh, before the break, I talked about uh, the movement going around in college football. You've got Jim Harbaugh now at Michigan. I think it's a great move for the Big Ten. And there have been uh, some other moves. Uh, I saw something interesting come uh, come along the rumor wire, also known as Twitter, and that is uh, San Francisco 49ers having interest in Auburn head coach Gus Malzahn. I find that to be very interesting, seeing as though Malzahn just completed what was his second season. He's just hired a uh, former Florida head well, coach. Do you think, wait,
3: stop. Do you think that's somebody putting out speculation how, uh Well, geez, he'd be perfect to work with Colin Kaepernick because he looks like. Oh, it could very
2: well be that. It it could. It could very well be that. But I have heard Malzahn's name in connection with, um, you know, some other jobs before. And again, all good. You can have the 49ers
3: and the Eagles run their goofy offenses, and at the end of the year, fall apart when they run 700 thousand plays.
2: Yeah, that's something else I wanted to slide to. I think (laughs) the further along we go with Chip Kelly, the less, um, the less. The the dimmer the light on 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 guys like Malzahn that run that kind of offense, possibly being NFL coaches. So well, you sent
3: me a nice thank you, uh, a nice okay. congratulatory note last week that I forgot to thank you for because uh, mm-hmm. you opened my eyes. I didn't realize what was happening in Philly. I hadn't been paying much attention uh, when you said that Kelly will be taking over the personnel matters. Yeah, that is a big coup for the cowboy for cowboy fans everywhere. Thank you.
2: Oh, that will only exacerbate the circumstances Oh, yeah, that's, that's a disaster I, waiting
3: to happen. He wanted to yeah, take as a guy who I was, I was reading, reading
2: that. Did you yeah, read article? As, as I was reading that story, I could yes. just feel the lug nuts kind of coming off a few of the wheels there. <laughs> the wheels are going to fall off faster in Philadelphia. Because the answer was not to give Chip Kelly more control. And I like Chip Kelly as a coach. Uh, but the answer to what went on this year is not going to be give him more power over the organization. Over personnel. Definitely not. He was better coaching um, with what yeah. they
3: gave him, if you ask me. I mean, he did a nice job when he came there taking a, a roster that, if people remember, had issues. And he coached what they gave him, and he did a good job. Now, you know, I read a story with, I guess, the guy uh, that's in charge of things, Howie, his name named Rosenblum, I forget anyway, at, at the draft. Kelly liked a guy last year and wanted to take him in the third round. And this guy had to explain to Kelly that, yeah, we can still get him. And by the way, the guy that in question did not become much of a player this year. He spent was inactive all year. But he had to explain to Kelly that that's great, Chip, but we can get him in the fifth or sixth round. And it was like eye-opening. Like Kelly's like, oh, I just thought I wanted him. I'll get him.
2: <laughs> yeah, thought it, was, uh, thought it was college. I just go out and get a guy.
3: And, yeah, I get uh, 25 of them. What's the difference if I good. get him in July or if I get him in February, either way?
2: <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, with the wheels possibly moving to falling off with Chip Kelly and the Philadelphia Eagles, does that uh, probably, you know, make things a little bit more hasty for a Gus Malzahn, or does he even see it like that? Does he say to himself, I need to probably hurry up and go jump into this NFL thing? Uh, before you know something happens with this other college guy turned pro coach. This, well, this, that would that, co- that would
3: force each of us to be in his head because we don't know. Maybe he's quite happy just being a college coach, and maybe he understands this is what I like to do. This is where my stuff works. You know, I don't I don't know. I haven't heard the guy speak on the subject. You know, I mean, not everybody wants to be a pro coach.
2: I think there's an interesting dynamic at work here uh, with Auburn. If we think about it, Auburn was damn lucky to make it into that championship game last year. I mean, I don't think. Yeah, they were good. They weren't a great
3: team. They were a good team that got that got more than a few good bounces. It wasn't like they had one. And you know, you're going to get one along the two way to a championship.
2: Two miracle plays. Anyway, yeah, they got two miracle plays
3: that are probably never happening again in, in the history of Auburn football in the same season.
2: Nevertheless, as it pertains to their fan base. They made it to the championship game. No one's looking at it that way, and now this year they didn't. They go again next year and do not make it, and God forbid have the same record they had this year or, or, or a record, you know, that's not as good as the one they had this year. His seat gets hot. Yes or no? Uh,
0: well,
3: I don't know. You know, they I mean, went through the whole.
2: college football in 2015 now.
3: Yeah, I mean, listen, it got hot for Chiswick and he won a national championship. So I guess based on experience, I'd have to say, yeah, it gets warm.
2: All right. Yeah. How about this flip side? He makes his way to another SEC championship, or wins the West, and or and or finds himself in his college football playoff, or goes to the championship game again.
0: Mm-hmm. Does it
2: not? Doesn't it? Doesn't the uh, noise about him going to the NFL? Doesn't the interest from the NFL? In him get even greater.
1: Yeah,
3: but I mean, let me let me try to. I'm going to try to say this uh, in a way people can follow. Some guys came from the NFL, right? Ended up in college, and it was almost like a, a fine tuning of their career, and then they went back. Okay, and that's a Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll was an NFL guy. I mean, by and large, the most the big chunk of his adult career, not the stuff that you do on college staff. And Nick Saban,
2: too, to a certain point.
3: To a point, but Carroll really was. I mean, he was an NFL head coach for for four years, two with the Jets, two with the Patriots. He wasn't an abject failure. He was just, you know, middle of the road. They they were over 500. They made a couple playoffs. They didn't win. Went back to college, fine-tuned his craft pretty damn well, I might add, and came back mm-hmm. gangbusters, okay? Some guys were never meant to be pro coaches, and they tried it. And like you look at Joe Paterno, took overtures for all those years in the '70s, especially, n- never left. Lou Holtz tried it mm-hmm. for a year with the Jets, realized, oh boy, this was a mistake, came right back mm-hmm. to college. Spurrier, same mm-hmm. deal. Some guys are just they get it. Like this is this is where my niche is. This is what I'm good at. Some people understand that, and I think everybody yeah, tries. Well, to you put, know,
2: Amol, I, ha- I I hate to stop you here, but here's what I'm. Seeing, and here's what I think some of these college coaches are seeing where they may not have seen it in years past, you had Steve Spurrier leave college football, go to the Washington Redskins, not enjoy any amount of success, um, come back to the college football game and enjoy a serious amount of success at a place like South Carolina that had not enjoyed much success right. at all. You had Nick Saban leave College football, go to the NFL, not achieve the amount of success that he wanted and people expected. Go back to college football and become this monster that he became. I think guys' eyes have to see that. And God, you know, if Chip Kelly goes and does the same thing, because I do believe ultimately Chip Kelly will go back, they will be the third guy that people, uh, college football coaches, can point to having done the same thing. And now it will almost be a thing where college coaches go to get that ultimate training to come back and be the dominant college football coach. It won't even be about their success or failure in the NFL. We'll go there. We'll try to see if this thing works. If it doesn't, too bad. But we'll learn something and go back in the college football. And that's how it looks like now this is the formula for achieving. Well, it's really back right. no, listen, success. your
3: thought isn't crazy. I mean, you have good examples that you cite. I mean, maybe that is. I I guess. I mean, things are changing. Uh, you know, so you might be right. I mean, a guy like Lou Holtz—that was a long time ago in the 70s. I mean, maybe these guys don't care about leaving for you a couple sound of like years. sound like
2: the professor that gives you a B minus on your paper and puts a nice note on the side of it. Hey, you had some really good examples here, but 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 here's but right. here's your B minus. Yeah, good good luck to you. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I mean, um, I'm I'm wondering if that's what's at play here. And I'm I I think Malzahn's future at Auburn is a very interesting topic for me, and one I'm going to be paying some attention to because i'm watching college football fans here uh especially this last year and uh there's something at work there with this social media that i think is gonna have a really big impact on college football as much as i don't want that to be i really feel they were the impetus to uh, brady hope getting run out this year um and i'm watching what's going on with the university of miami and how it seems the fan base in social media is leading the charge to just burn down that whole the whole regime, the whole Al Golden regime, and accelerate it uh, out the door. Uh, and I just think that's going to happen more and more with college
0: football.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, I think to, social media has changed everything in,
2: from news to sports
3: and everything else. I mean, things change. Uh, f- you know, the fans have more power, good and bad, because of the way that you can, you know, numbers amass, and and, you know, these tidal wave starts, I mean, you're right, You know, it could, it could be different. I mean, I'm interested to see what happens at Michigan, you know, with Harbaugh. You know, most fans always associate Michigan, you know, and the success they've had in college football. I don't know if you realize this. Do you know how many mythical national championships Michigan's won since 1950? How
2: 1948, many? 1948, to be exact. As, is it as many as Alabama? Uh,
3: no. They've won one. Oh, really? Michigan wow. has 11 national championships, right? Ten of them were before 1948. 1948 and earlier. Matter of fact, a big chunk of them were before 1920. They won the one in 1997. And and where I'm going with this is since the 50s, you know, Ohio State's won whatever, seven of them. The Big Ten, when we were kids, always came down to Michigan and Ohio State. Michigan's obviously had a ton of success winning conference championships, but the, but the landscape's changed. That's where I'm going with this. It was a two-team mm-hmm. conference for a large chunk of, you know, our childhood. Either Michigan or Ohio State mm-hmm. won the Big Ten. Occasionally Michigan State would. That mm-hmm. conference Harbaugh is going to is a lot different than when he played at Michigan. A lot different. I've said that on the show. And, I, and I'm not saying he won't be successful, but I'm not so sure. I don't know. I see
2: it going back to what we saw in our childhood, to be honest with you. Maybe.
3: I'm just saying I'm not so sure it's it's going to be – as easy for him to be successful as people think only because he's going to a conference with an Ohio State that's really good okay Michigan State is is I don't see them going anywhere why should that change Michigan State has never gotten the top recruits that guy's just a damn good coach and they're a scrappy
0: program uh
2: I can I can certainly agree with 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 that thought there and there's you know certainly a, a whole lot of uh, excitement and curiosity uh, when, as it pertains to, you know, And hey, look at his success. Listen, I'm
3: not saying he's a great coach. Look what he did with the 49ers. But when you're talking college, when he went to Stanford, he had nowhere to go but up, and he kind of hit a perfect storm in the pack. The pack t- the pack, The Pac-12 wasn't quite as good as it is now, okay? As soon as he got there, within a couple of years, USC gets thrown on five years of probation. He grabbed quite a few recruits that were probably SC-type recruits that – they just couldn't sign him. Um, UCLA didn't have Mora yet. So, you know, he, no. he, I'm not saying he didn't do a good job, but just that now that conference is different. I mean, it would be different to go back to a school there now and try oh, to build it no, up.
2: There's no long-term resume at any of these places uh, that, could say, that could make you say without a doubt he's going to be successful if he has to spend any certain amount of time there. He's really good at the quick reversal uh, but I've said it before, I just want to see... If, he's you know, five he years, in my task. mind, at
3: Michigan. Yep. I don't see him just staying. I Like like these Michigan people who love Where Michigan Where does he go
2: fo- from here, Emil? Where does he go? Does he go back to the NFL? Oh, he'll Where go back, go? To, the, he'll go back the college to the league. What program are you going to?
3: No, he'll go back to the NFL. I mean, he's a, he, at the end of the day, he's an NFL coach, in my mind. He's a really good coach, and I'm not trying to at, in any way say that he's not a good hire. He's about as good as you're going to get if you're Michigan. Mm-hmm. All I'm saying is he's a mm-hmm. five-year guy. I don't think he's riding off into the sunset. Staying till he's seventy-five and coaching his his old alma mater. Really, don't see it that way.
2: So you think ultimately he's an NFL coach, or does he leave Michigan, go to the NFL? It doesn't. Guy's most competitive guy. I've read stories.
3: Now. You've read stories, right? Very competitive guy. You mm. see him going to Thanksgiving dinner with John with that smirk on his face, saying, "Oh, nice. You did a good job winning that that, that Big Ten conference. We're playing the for the AFC league. championship." <laughs>
2: I, that's why I thought this right here would never happen. So I'm as surprised as anyone. Yeah, he because he's job, smart. I was fairly Listen, certain.
3: If you were him, here's the jobs coming open this year, right? Raiders, Bills. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. look at look at what's opened. Okay. Uh, a guy like him, he he went to a uh, you know one of the you know the. Emil,
2: every open job is going to be a bad job.
3: No, 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 no. Let NFL. me finish. The forty nine er job, while wow, the team stunk when he got there, the forty nine ers are an iconic franchise. The teams that are have, have openings this year, most of them are, are are disasters. There's no Giants job. There's no Cowboys job. Even the Redskins as bad as Snyder is. You would consider more of one of those iconic franchises. There's jobs. Jim Harbaugh's not going up to Buffalo to coach the Buffalo Bills.
2: Are you kidding me? What about Oakland?
3: Oakland's a disaster. He was across the bay from it. He saw what's going on there. I mean, until that until that, that ownership group changes in Oakland, the only thing you, that's iconic about the Raiders are their uniforms.
2: Okay. True, but well, I don't know about that. I, I think I think they're working with a little bit more talent. Uh, I'm not saying they, they don't have talent, Dave.
3: Listen, the Raiders have talent, but it's dysfunctional. You want Listen, you preach this to me over the years. It, you can't win in the NFL when, you're, when your organization is dysfunctional.
2: Mm. True. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, the Cowboys really were dysfunctional. I mean, I the
3: only thing that straightened the Cowboys out was at some point, I don't know if his son hit him over the head, they didn't do dysfunctional things any longer. They didn't draft a quarterback when they had a quarterback. That was a typical Raider Dallas move the last ten years. Oh, hey, we have we already have a guy signed for six years that's really good. Yeah, let's get another one,
2: <laughs> uh, Mister Calamino. All right, well, we'll we'll keep an eye on the whole Jim Harbaugh situation. It's going to be extreme. It's an extreme amount of fun to watch that. Hey, uh, some we're talking about. I think by, on our show on Monday, right? Uh, they were talking about perhaps Jameis Winston was going to come back for his senior year, uh, at well, not even his senior year, his redshirt junior year yeah, at uh, Florida. That won't they, be happening. I, you know, yeah, I this I expressed a certain amount of skepticism, and uh, rightfully so. Um, it's been announced, obviously, that he's not coming back, which makes probably the best sense to me that he wouldn't return. Uh, obviously going to have a first-round grade, probably going to be the first quarterback taken. And as this thing works, quarterbacks are taken pretty high uh, in the Let NFL. Let me ask you, so not be straight back.
3: with me now. I'm asking you straight out. I, the talent he has is, I think, obviously first-round talent. The, the, does his pattern of behavior scare you if you're an NFL guy giving out that kind of money?
2: Definitely concerns me. Definitely okay. concerns me. I don't know, though, uh, if his – Behavior would be accelerated with money. I'm, I don't I'm mean not that,
3: sure. I'm, I, I'm saying I mean, if you're giving out the money because you're on the hook for a lot of coin here, does it scare oh, you? I'm, I'm,
2: I've got, I've got big time concerns um, whether I should or not. You're going to have to compare this particular quarterback's mindset, mindset to what is currently successful in the NFL right now. So let's quickly take a look at what's still remaining in the playoffs at the quarterback position. Russell Wilson. Does he seem like a Russell Wilson from the no. Right up? No. Peyton Manning. No. Tom Brady. Not at all. Aaron Rodgers. Uh-uh. Joe Flacco. Maybe a little Flacco's a little goofy. But, but is not, goofy, not goofy is mature.
3: you know. Listen, you can you're gonna go through them all. He's not Tony Romo. He's none of those guys. Not I any mean, of all, them. None of them.
2: Not, not any even them. close. So he's, closer about... he's closer to Johnny Manziel.
3: He's closer to Johnny Manziel. You want to know the right. truth?
2: Right. So if I'm if I'm a franchise owner and this guy's gonna be my franchise because that's what he is, if you're picking him in the top ten and he's gonna be your quarterback for the foreseeable future, I have no choice but to compare him to what is successful right now from a championship standpoint in the National Football League, and I would have a great deal of amount of concern. Uh, If he were to stay for another year at Florida State and he was incident-free, which for him would be difficult even if he was on his P's and Q's, um, would that change your thought process if you're a general manager for the NFL? Is one year with no incident? Well, going to totally change yeah, I mean, your listen, on?
3: a couple of things will change my thought process. I'd like to see him go, go a year without getting his name in the paper for anything other than football.
2: Uh, that would. You understand be how hard that's going to be? You understand I'm how not. hard that's going to be? If he throws a piece of gum out the window, it's going to become a, a story. They're going to well, hunt him down. Well, I know, but he
3: has to understand that. That's what you want to see. You want to see somebody mature and understand that, listen, I am in the public eye, and yes, if I throw a piece of bubble gum out and I get a $300 fine, it's in the paper, so I'm not going to throw the piece of bubble gum out. I get that.
2: For God's sake, you're asking this kid, 20 years old, 21 years old, to be Jesus of Nazareth.
0: Well, for a year happen. I am because
3: I'm also asking him to take the keys to my franchise and $100 million that goes with it. So with that comes great responsibility. Uh,
2: I suppose, I suppose. So if you're advising Jameis Winston, come back. No, I'm telling him, him to go pro
3: because someone will draft him. I know where you're going with this. No, I'm saying, listen, you're going to go in the first – There's. A... You've seen what's in the NFL. Ryan Lindley was playing quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals in a playoff game last weekend where they gained 82 yards of offense, okay? Somebody is going to justify the pick in the first half of the first round. It's just that's the way the league works. There's not a lot of Mm -hmm. NFL quarterbacks. Somebody's going to say, I can talk to this kid. I can straighten him out. He's got talent. You know, I can figure out his head. I can't figure out how to get a guy to throw frozen ropes. (laughs) <laughs> you know 40 yards down the field
2: well now if i am looking for a I, i'm in desperate need of 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 a quarterback and we could kind of run through the, the the programs that uh the organizations that are in that position right now right now the rams come off of my head right away um and if you've got one off the top of your head well you i mean there's a lot of them i mean you, out, we
3: but... we could sit here and have a field day i mean who the tennessee here, here, titans
2: here's here's my situation um, do I want to take Jameis Winston and possibly end up with a quarterback that's going to do something silly to embarrass the organization, or get himself uh, in a situation where he can't, you know, be on the field performing for us, or do I want to take a quarterback like Marcus Mariota that obviously has some physical talent but is going to need some time to to ease into the game? Oh, uh, the NFL game. I just don't think he's a guy you can throw out there day one and get the ultimate success with him. What do you do there? I if you're at the bottom part of this draft, which is not where these two guys are probably gonna be taken, if you're in that bottom quarter, you're probably you're you're probably gonna do all right picking picking a, a Marriott. But what do you do if you're in that top five? What well. do you do there?
3: this is this goes back to the question you always ask you're you're almost answering you you've preached about this what's my object? not all owners care about winning it's my mm-hmm. it's my object to sell tickets and stir fan interest? Because then I'm taking Winston because I can sell that story. Mm-hmm. you know I can put uh, him right on the field yeah, he can. he's a big, can. strong guy. I can sell that until he screws up or if he screws up, hopefully he won't mhm mm-hmm. um you know i can't sell this kid needs a year and a half to sit around and we're going to suck for a year and a half and i think if you throw mariota in there immediately in the wrong situation i think it could really be detrimental to him long term in the league
2: yeah he'd be done if he was drafted by the jets he'd be done uh, if he was i believe you would yeah i i don't i don't uh, think he'd his skill set translates picked by
1: the Bucs.
3: yeah I don't think his skill set translates immediately to the NFL. I think, as you said, he's going to need some time to refine that. He he has the benefit at Oregon of of using that spread, and that that immediate fake always freezes people. He's throwing the guys Mm -hmm. running in wide open windows. That's just not going to happen in the NFL.
2: Yeah, uh, San Diego, Kansas City, those are the places where I think Mariota would probably do best because he doesn't need to get on that field right now, and there's some... And, uh, there's stability. A, there's a you got stability
3: there. there. There's yeah. not. Listen, if I was building an NFL team in today's game with the salary cap, I, and especially offensively, my first thought immediately would be, I'm going to build myself a very good offensive line. Because okay? at that mm-hmm. point, I can plug and play and be competitive. I can stick an Alex Smith behind a good offensive line. And win 10 games, okay, and I'm going to have a good team, okay? Then I would start filling in the pieces around that. I would say, first of all, if I can block it, I can be competitive. And I can get a Russell Wilson if if there's another one out there. I mean, he's a special talent, but remember, a third-round guy. I can find the guy who people don't love, but if I, I, if I have the line and I have everything else in place, I can protect him, not get him killed, and maybe... We have success, and let's face it: Do you think Russell Wilson would be the stariest today if he started off with the Tampa Bay Bucks getting chased all over the place?
2: No, uh, and people really underestimate that factor—just how much where you end up in your NFL career has to do with your ultimate success. That is widely overlooked. So, yes, I mean, um, it, you know, he
3: might be gun shy, he might be making poor decisions. I mean, I'm not saying he, the talent wasn't there, but you get in bad habits in certain places because of. Situations you're put into, and I think going to Seattle, it was perfect. They had a really good defense. They had a coach that liked to run the ball and play defense. He came in, he, he was protected by the running game, allowed to mature. Make now he's sure now you watch him and he, he can kill you all on his own. But that that came mm-hmm. in time as he matured. And I think if you're building a franchise, the mistake a lot of people make in this league, they they want to have stars. They want to have the quarterback they want to have the wide receivers, the running backs and they can sell jerseys and fans get excited. But guess what? When you get in these big games, if you can't block for those guys, you can't win. You never get yeah, to the big there,
2: game. Yeah, there's there's no doubt about that. And you know, any serious uh, football fan that knows anything about football knows that uh, winning winning in this game begins and ends uh, in the trenches. You don't have not, you're not going anywhere, and you're not going to do much. How about this other interesting dynamic? Uh, you know, I talked about the the quarterback still remaining in this playoffs, and let's take a quick look. Joe Flacco played for Delaware. Your guy, Tony Romo, Eastern Illinois. Tom Brady played at Michigan, but was a backup for quite a bit of his career there and was, was uh, to say, lightly recruited coming out of high school would probably be an understatement. Same story for Aaron Rodgers, who played at Cal, had to go to a JUCO first. Uh, You've got Russell Wilson, uh, who played at Wisconsin, Peyton Manning at Tennessee. So two out of these four guys played at small schools. Two out of the four guys that came from the big schools um, were not very highly recruited coming out of high school. What does that tell you about being a quarterback? It tells
3: me you read the Colin Cowherd 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 book, did you?
2: I did indeed read that. I've not completed it, but that section there, it, I, yes. I read it.
3: And, and it's I fascinating, it. isn't it? Because he he touches I, on something. We'll throw him out a bone there. His book is very good. So if anybody's listening, it's probably a, a good read for a sports fan in general. And that's yeah. With let the me point, give it a
2: quick plug. The title of the book is "You Heard Me." H e r d. You Heard Me by Colin Cowherd. It is a New York Times bestseller and whether you like Colin or you hate him you, you people usually fall on one side or the other it is an interesting read for those of you who uh who like to crack open a book every now and then and that's But a you know it's known.
3: funny that book that book and that chapter you and I over the years have sort of had the conversation but not as succinctly as he put it but if mm-hmm. you notice I've I you know I remember saying you I don't really like quarterbacks from schools like like the Floridas and the USC's when they're when they're rolling because I've always mm-hmm. been saying that when you when you play quarterback at those schools, typically you have great wide receivers, great ends, great running backs, and usually a very stout offensive line. So you're standing in, in there. Every once in a while a guy falls at your feet, but basically you're playing with a clean pocket, throwing at guys mm-hmm. that are better athletes running five and six yards in the clear sometimes. Mm-hmm. Then you go mm-hmm. to the NFL, and you're getting or, hit or on every – po-
2: Or guys that will take a, a, a short catch and shrug off a overwhelmed defender and uh, run for 50 yards with your five-yard pass. You get that it, also.
3: It, all that. Uh, everything, including what you just said, is, is 100%. Then you get to the NFL, what happens? Well, guys are draped on you because you're usually going to a bad team if you're a good player. Mm-hmm. Guys mm-hmm. are killing you. And your receivers, you know what? It's like Troy Aikman one time tells a story. His first practice with the Cowboys, he, he didn't throw a ball, and they stopped him. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was Turner or one of them, or Jimmy, he said to him, Troy, what were you doing there? He said, well, there's nobody open. You know, he threw his check down.
1: What do you mean he wasn't open?
3: He had a half a step on that guy. And Troy Aikman said, Troy Aikman's like, I learned that the windows are a lot smaller.
2: Right, exactly. Or, 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 Amel. It could be as simple as this. The guys from the big time school get drafted high and go to the poor franchises. And the guys from the smaller schools who took a tougher road end up going to better franchises when they get drafted. Could that be what it is?
3: Or, or, or yes, or it could be. It doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. It could be just a combination of both factors. They come in with a chip on their mm-hmm. shoulder. They're willing to work harder because they're angry. They play angry. They never forget that I wasn't drafted where I was supposed to be drafted. I I was never picked by Ohio State. I went to Eastern Illinois. Mm-hmm. So they come with that attitude and, to your point, end up with a better, you know, with a great attitude with a better franchise. I mean, you know, take a guy like Romo. He picked where he went to. He said, geez, Bill Parcells is coaching the Cowboys. I'm not going in any place and starting immediately. They have a guy, a quarterback, who's 34 years old at the time, Bledsoe, and was coming off a mm-hmm. punctured lung or whatever the hell it was in New England. Mm-hmm. I think I'll go there because I can learn something, and maybe, maybe, If things work out, someday I can start there.
2: And to this point, uh, and Dan Marino fans don't want to hear this, um, there's obviously a lot was made about how he slid down in the draft all the way down to the Miami Dolphins. That was probably, Amal, the best thing that could have happened to him in his career. He could have gone to the Baltimore Colts. He could have gone to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I'm here to tell you, and I'm sure you'll back me on this, his career would not have been anywhere near as successful from uh a a a statistical standpoint, because the man doesn't hold any rings, but uh there's no way I see him coming anywhere close to what he did with the Dolphins had he been picked up. By well, I'll give you one further. Tampa the Bay difference
3: Bale between Dan Marino and Vinny Testaverdi is where they ended up.
2: Yeah, you very well could say I mean that Vinny, people forget had, Vinny had
3: every tool Marino had. I mean that guy could throw a ball through a car he wash did. and come out dry.
2: <laughs> yeah, he he absolutely did. And, you know what, they also both had a little problem with interceptions in their college career, especially, you know, their their, their last
3: Yeah, year.
0: But, uh, Vinny, where did so, Vinny go?
3: He goes to Tampa. It's uh, a disaster. Yeah. He gets beat up there. Then he ends up with another franchise that isn't exactly, uh, you know, not in, filling up the trophy case, the Cleveland Browns. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the guy just, mm-hmm. you know, the Jets. I mean, look at the franchises the poor guy played
2: for. You do have to feel sorry for the man when you just rattle off those names as being on the ledger for him uh, in terms of where he played. So uh, I think, yeah, you might be right. Both of those dynamics are in place. But I just found it interesting that I just finished that chapter in the book, and lo and behold, uh, when I look up, here's what we've got remaining in the NFL playoffs at quarterback and it's uh it it's very quite quite interesting quite interesting don't I don't know if you got you know oh, there's a quote now. at
3: the beginning of every chapter in the book like he has some some thought that he has randomly just to start yes. the chapter off yes
2: I, find, I, I like that
3: i don't know if you got to this one yet but you have to know if you did that i was sitting there smiling he said you know USC and Alabama don't have a Rudy story that's because nobody mm. as slow as Rudy would be on their roster
2: <laughs> Yeah, uh, very, <laughs> very true. A nice little shot. That he, took there. he is a little bit of a USC homer. Am I correct on that? He is an he led, His two
0: favorite
3: teams, they will tell you in the book, are USC and Texas. And he, he did a thing where he said he said he, he used to come to work and he bet on them. And then when they lost, it would double. It would ruin his weekend twice. So he said what he started doing is he could afford it. Started
0: he bets against
3: them. USC and Texas every weekend. And then if he loses, he's more than happy to pay.
2: Yeah, you know he's uh, out there—the classic hedge of the of the betting man. All right, we do need to talk about what we think is going to happen in these NFL games. We are going to do that when we return from the break. We will break down these NFL matchups this weekend, and we will give you our top picks because I know that's what you've been waiting for. We'll do that and more when we get back on the Great Iron Stud Show right after this.
1: the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills. And in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship-type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then complete speed is what you need. Complete speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, complete speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises, along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. You want to play college football, right? Well, that's not going to happen unless you have a highlight video. And if you want one of the best highlight videos in the country, then visit Under the Radar Highlight Videos right now. They will give you their best. Ten DVDs, affordable, done fast. They'll even remix your highlights or take your huddle highlights and put them on YouTube. And they've worked with some of the best. Deion Sanders, Jr., Top recruits in the country are Dory Jackson and Joe Mixon. Current UCLA wide receiver Shaquille Evans, Cordell Brothers, son of Snoop Dogg, as well as top 2013 USC recruit do it crazy. If you want to be seen by the colleges and have the offers rolling in, then you need to contact Under the Radar Highlights right now. Visit them at youtube.com forward slash users UTR Highlight Videos. That's youtube.com forward slash users forward slash UTR Highlight Videos. Get over there, get that video made, and be seen by the colleges now. phone line caller you're on a good on set show What say you have you ever sucked your own breast like and you come on be honest I love your phone voice and your whole thing I mean you're you're a professional it seems like to me yeah are you trying to plug your own show good your right. plug in and you go hmm did you kiss each one or just um, uh, one wow. well thinking about it. looks like I lost that guy he was on hold for five minutes, and that's what he came with. You do Do we touch our own breasts? I couldn't. We sucked, our, we sucked our own breasts. He did have the a voice of a, a heavy, very obese man who has not
2: seen his shoes since sometime during the Reagan administration. But kudos to that guy for calling in and now has to face us blasting him where he can't even do anything about it. Well played by that clown. Heading back into the business.
0: Mike
2: Well. We're back here on the Gridiron Stud Show. What you heard there was uh, none other than the famed Howard Stern, uh one of the highlights of the two thousand fourteen year on the blog talk radio show known as the Gridiron Stud Show. He did take time out of his very busy day and schedule, this celeb to call our little lonely show Emil, and uh prank call us. How about that?
3: And and he thought he was the best thing on the show, which he may have been that day.
2: On that particular day, yes. But there's nothing better than when you and I collide and uh, give the people the facts as they need to get them about college NFL football. And uh, that's what we're here to do. Uh once again here on this very high Why don't we area. go why don't we
3: do Lovely. this? We're going to do our NFL stuff. Why don't we go in order like we did last week of the games and as we're talking, if you want to raise your hand, since we're gonna pick three of the four each of us, uh you could say I have a pick.
2: Well, why don't we indeed just do that? And we start
1: off with And but wait let, let
3: me set the table. We are killing it in the NFL. Last week combined we were five and one, right? Your your record, yes. you, you know. Remember, Chad was doing very well in college. Started off the year slow in the NFL. He's five games over 500 now, and that means he's been killing it for six or seven weeks. He's 29, 24, a couple pushes in there. I'm 36 and 18 with a push. So I mean, we we are uh, handling our business in the NFL, as they say.
2: I would love to know, what, you know, what my record looks like over the last six weeks. I'd feel really good quoting that as opposed to the. Well, well, you know honest, what? I mean, I uh, you know,
3: again. one of these if 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 you are nice to me, I will go and uh, look it up one of these days in uh for Monday's show and oh, I, can I will you uh
2: believe this for my resident accountant. I got to be I, nice to this guy for him to do one of his jobs here on the show. Can you believe this? I will this? go and tell People you what there? you are. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Well, all right, let's get down to things here. There is uh the first one, the first one of these goodies going off is going to be Baltimore taking on New England, and as I said in the open, uh, looks like this goes down every year, these two teams matching up and uh, trying to figure out who's going to continue moving on, and we have that situation once again, Baltimore traveling to New England, Baltimore has done their fair share of upsetting New England's um, playoff hopes, they've done that several times along the way here, but uh Emil, I do have a pick on this game. Do you want to know what and, you are uh,
3: since week 11? This this includes 8 8 weeks of action on well, last week's playoffs. I playoff.
2: appreciate you jumping on board and doing pulling up these numbers for me. What am I?
3: 18 wins, 9 losses with one push. There. So there's there, there that's impressive. How
2: about impressive. that? A, about a that? big fat 66% over the last 6 weeks. I, I want to keep this train rolling. One of the ways I'm going to do that is by taking the New England Patriots as seven-point favorites in this game. Yes, Baltimore has, uh, you know, done some things against the Patriots, and uh, you could kind of halfway say they have uh, New England's number. You do have to be impressed with Baltimore going on the road last week against Pittsburgh and getting that victory. But, Amal, I think uh, it all comes to an end here for them. New England is... Uh, A team that I see making it all the way out of the AFC, I think they are running strong. Uh, I think they have some things in place. I think they've refound the running game that they had back in the days when they were actually getting rings, and uh, I kind of like what they're doing defensively, and I think... They are at some point gonna gonna overwhelm Baltimore in this game and kind of run off with this thing. That's that's how I'm seeing this one. I I don't. Know I'm not gonna venture deal. to
3: try a pick on this game. Um, there's there's a part of me that says, uh, yeah, I want to take Baltimore, but then there's another side of me that says if they can't get to Brady, uh, they're gonna be in for a long day because I've I've seen what 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 other teams have done to their secondary. Hmm. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna sure. just le- I'm gonna let you roll with that one. I'm gonna say that, you know, in my own mind, I had a little lean toward Baltimore, but you know what you're saying makes some sense to me, and I'll let you make it an official pick.
1: Yeah,
2: well, you know, someone's got to be the tough one here and make make a pick on this particular game. I guess that's going to be me today. And um, I listen, th- there have been many people who've tried to throw dirt on the. On the I, the dynasty, the excellence of the New England Patriots, and try to forecast its end. Um, I'd start leaning seriously in that direction if the Patriots uh, bowed out in the first round of uh, these particular playoffs. I'd have to say things look like they're probably winding down, and uh, you know we're looking at the de-escalation. Of yeah, right I, I, with, I would. You know, the-
3: you know, I think that uh, you're probably right about that. With a couple weeks here. To get ready, seemingly fairly healthy, as healthy as you're going to be at this time of the year. Uh, yeah, the Baltimore, the, the Baltimore secondary scares the hell out of me. If, if if I'm taking them, that's really what bothers me here.
2: Uh worried about them getting torched up there a little bit. Well,
3: you know, I mean, I know every team has. I mean, their New bad England games. doesn't
2: have studs outside now at the receiver position. I no, mean, but you know, they they seem to know how the, to just get the Bronx job house.
3: done. I mean, I've seen games this year that I've watched, and I don't want to apply it to, to this, you know, where, where I over... Every team has games, you watch them, and they're not at their best. What we, what concerns mm-hmm. me is, you know, I saw San Diego go into Baltimore and really abuse their secondary. I've seen Roethlisberger mm-hmm. abuse their secondary. Uh, they're just... I have that concern. So, you know, I'd probably look at you and Sam Lean in New England at this point. I just think that... You know, there's going to be a lot of Baltimore money coming hard on this game, probably because of past games they've had with New England. And I'm not sure these are the same Ravens that people are going to to take in this game.
2: Okay, so you pass on making a pick on this game between the Ravens and the New England Patriots, which makes this very interesting to me. You are in a position now where you must, must make a pick on this next game. And not for the life of me could I figure out, what side I wanted to be on this thing. I believe the Seattle Seahawks are gonna beat the Carolina Panthers in this game, but I could not say with any amount of certainty that they would cover a spread of ten and a half. They could very well beat the the Carolina Panthers twenty seven to nothing. Uh and they could also very well find themselves in a seventeen to ten ball game. How do you see it? Well
3: you know, obviously if you're if you're a money line player and you want to lay big odds, you know, Seattle will win the game in my opinion. But I just don't think it's good. Their games to Carolina have never been easy. Okay, even if you go in the last three or four years, they've just never had an easy time. And sure, the game this year was at Carolina, and Seattle was playing worse at them when they played, but so was Carolina. And it was a 13-9 to game. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. Carolina's won five in a row. I, I think they're they're a pretty confident team going up there. And yeah, I want the ten and a half points. I mean, they're playing good defense. I look at Carolina's last five efforts in this little winning streak. They've given up ten, seventeen, thirteen, three, and sixteen last week. I don't care who you're playing in the NFL. That's not a lot of points. And Seattle is, you know, their offense is their defense, and they set up Wilson on a short field. If Carolina goes up there with the right game plan and the mindset that this is going to be a four-quarter game, it's going to be like every other time we've played these guys, it's going to be low scoring, and they play the game that way, I, I think double digits is is a great position to be in getting 10.5 points, and I'm taking them.
2: Here's uh, the things that concern me here is, uh, yes, everything that you said is true, especially talking about how Carolina has been a tough opponent for the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Those meetings have happened in the regular season. What concerns me is this thing moving now into a postseason. It's Carolina on the road against Seattle. Under those circumstances, they've never found themselves in that situation. Uh, Carolina's offense is anemic. They do play good defense, but it is anemic, and I'm just very concerned about Carolina being in that atmosphere where the Seattle Seahawks crowd a true 12th man. If there is one in the NFL gets cranked up, gets going, and Carolina just can't even find the end zone, and you end up with a 12 to nothing football game, 17 to nothing football game, 17 oh, hey. three football game, could very well happen. That's what concerns me. And then the other side is, man, Seattle's also an anemic offensive football team, and if they give up any amount, if they give up two scores in this game. I don't think they're going to cover the point spread. Whether no, and look, listen. Hey, and let me give goal, you they, the
3: amazingly point. these two teams have played the last 3 seasons in a row either in September or October each meeting in Carolina. 20 to twelve, twenty twelve, 2012 they played Seattle 1 16 12. 2013 mm-hmm. Seattle 1 12 7. Last year mm-hmm. Seattle 1 13 9. Now that's pretty that's a pretty good sample. Yeah. Pretty good sample size too. I mean, you got three games in the last three years. Uh, not one of them did the total get into the 30s. So you're getting 10.5 points. I mean, unless Carolina just goes out and plays stupid, I mean, starts throwing the ball all over the place, you know, with no no and regard it very for well field, could pers- happen. which it
1: could <laughs> very well could happen. Yes. Very well.
3: But I think if Fair if enough. they have any brains, they can cover the spread because I don't think Seattle does enough on the outside. That without without some help from Carolina, I don't think Seattle's going to blow them out.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, nevertheless, I you know I was too scary to pick that one. Uh, you didn't pick Baltimore, New England, so that means you got to pick this game. And I am just dying to hear what you have to say about this one. I, it's, I'm so dying that I'm going to you know continue to let you go second, and I'm going to throw my opinion out on this one. Uh, Two historic NFL franchises here, Dallas Cowboys, Green Bay Packers. I think of all the underdogs that are still remaining in the playoffs right now, or at least this weekend, this particular underdog has the best opportunity to win. Uh, it's going to involve the Cowboys making the right calls from a coaching standpoint. But I see Dallas having what they need to win this ball game. Green Bay's defense uh, has great moments, but overall it's not something that I would characterize as a very strong defense. They are susceptible to having the ball run on them. If the Cowboys want to be the Cowboys that they have been this year and not any of the previous five seasons, um, then they, they they have a really strong chance of winning this football game, and I'm just going to put my faith in the Cowboys coming to, to Green Bay and, and and being that, uh, yes, it's going to be cold. Yes, it's going to be a little bit miserable. And that's all the reason why you run that football and you run it better than anyone else in the NFL this year. And I really like the top rushing team in the playoffs to have success in the playoffs. And that means the Dallas Cowboys here against the Green Bay Packers. Will Aaron Rodgers work his magic? Yeah, Are you a little worried about Aaron Rodgers working his magic with those receivers against the Dallas defense that there's still a little bit of a jury out on? Sure. but I am going to rely on that rushing on that rushing offense and that and that defense that has been pretty solid for most of the year, and an experienced quarterback who can make plays for the team to win. And with all those things combined together, I think I feel good about an underdog that's getting five points here. How about that? Happy birthday to you.
3: Well, you? I uh, I sat here almost trying to decide. I was going to pick the New England game and avoid this. Uh, and, I'll, and I'll give you my reason first of why I was going to avoid it. I, the, what I sent you this week, um, I see every once in a while old Dallas creep in. And, and the specific play calling I told you about was when I, they they got the interception to start the second half last week. Mm-hmm. First and mm-hmm. 10 on the lines, 21, down 17-7. Murray gets the ball, four yards. Murray gets the ball mm-hmm. again, four and a half yards. So now you're third, yard and a half, we'll call it two. Mm-hmm. Cowboys are second in the league running the ball. You would think Murray would be in the backfield. And even if you're not going to hand them the ball, you're going to use that fake to get your future Hall of Fame tight end, maybe Witten opened or, or Dez uh, on a crossing route, something. Nope. Empty backfield, mm. five five receivers or four receivers in a tight end, and Murray standing next to Garrett. Cowboys call mm. a pass play. Romo takes a, t- a 12-yard sack. Most accurate kicker in NFL history comes in. Wide right from 40 yards, and I'm thinking, mm, I just saw the old Cowboys creep up.
2: That said, and you're worried about you're worried about that mask being put on in this game this week.
3: Well, am 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 I am I not telling you something that happened? Wouldn't that concern you if you were even a, a football fan, not a cowboy fan? Isn't that an odd uh, set of play calling I just described for you? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Okay. Then I look and I say, okay, stop being a pessimist. The old Cowboys, down fourteen nothing in the first quarter, had a chance to fold. They came back. This this team. Then they're down twenty to seven. They had a chance to fold. They they closed the game scoring 17 straight points and win the game. And I look at that matchup, and going in, I felt Detroit and Seattle were the worst matchups for Dallas. Only be, And Detroit more so, because I think Detroit has, believe it or not, even though the, they, they haven't shown it all year, more weapons offensively than Seattle. See, Dallas can play a, a, a low-scoring game with Seattle because Seattle, like you said, they're anemic. Detroit can blow you out if they're having a good day. And they can mm-hmm. slow you down on the ground. And Dallas beat the team, mm-hmm. I thought, would give them a big problem because they could stop the run. Mm-hmm. I like this mm-hmm. matchup with Green Bay, and I'm going to take the Cowboys plus five. I like the fact that Green Bay is number 23 in the league against the run. I like the fact that the Cowboys are a more more focused team on the road, 8-0 on the road. They just seem, they at home, they seem unfocused. They come out sometimes. They fall behind. It's almost like... I don't know if they get too amped up with the crowd. I like the bunker mentality that I think they're going to bring to Lambeau. And I, I, I'm, I'm expecting to see the new Cowboys, the team that has heart and keeps playing hard and runs the ball like you said. And I think if they do that, they walk out of here with a straight up. And if I had – I'm going to take the five because that's how we do it on the show. If I had a recommendation for the listeners, I would play this game on the money line because here's the way I look at it. Dallas is either winning the game or you're going to see a Green Bay like 30 to 20 or 33-20 type win, like they did the last game with Detroit when they beat them for the the North.
2: Oh, I would agree with that. Winner of this game covers a point spread. No,
3: yes, no I think I think either that. Green That's Bay. I think either Green Bay wins the game by like I said, 10 or 10 or 13 points, or Dallas wins outright. And obviously, I think Dallas wins outright because I'm taking the five points. So for those of you out there who have it available to you. The money line might yes. be a way to look at it.
2: Does not does not smell of a field goal game uh, at all. This just doesn't seem like that's what would happen here. The winner of this game is going to probably win it.
1: Um, One point with this game, you know, they
3: always like to make Lambeau this place that you you can't win. And in the regular season, it sure seems that way. But if you look at the mm-hmm. Packers' last few games, playoff games in Lambeau, not so great. I mean... 2011, a very average giant team, albeit one that won the Super Bowl, but they were a nine and seven team. Walked in there and beat them by 27 points in this in this round. I'm not saying Dallas could yeah, win uh, by 27 no, it's, points.
2: It's it's not. You know, I think the 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 ghost of uh, of of Vince doesn't walk around there as much as he as he used to. So the Cowboys are certainly. Uh, capable of going into Green Bay and winning. And, it looks and the like Rogers calf injury,
3: uh, yeah. Chad. I think the Rogers calf injury is being underplayed a little bit. It it It's a part of his game that while he's wonderful from the pocket and he still scares the hell out of me as a Cowboy fan, um, it's a dynamic in his game that you're probably not going to see him utilize as much because he's one wrong step from ending up on the bench. He's got a small tear in that calf, so he's going to have to play more of that game from the pocket.
2: Emil, it's going to be six degrees in Green Bay. No one in attendance or playing in this game will feel their calves.
0: <laughs>
2: so his calf could fall down into the bottom of his shoes and he would not know it until the game's over. I'm letting let you know that right now. Once you start this game, you're not feeling anything. I don't care how many times the Su shows up and steps on your damn foot. Uh, you, you know, you wouldn't even know it. So uh, that's great. my thought on that. Okay. All right. So we're gonna we're gonna slide into this last one. We've got the Denver Broncos uh, playing host to the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, I'm going to just tell you right off the top, I think it's the end of the road for the Colts here. Uh, you know, While they have the quarterback, that could probably keep them around in this thing and uh, keep throwing their way back into this contest. I just don't think that's going to happen to them. Uh, the Colts, down the road, down the stretch in this thing, just didn't really face much competition, man. Uh, after their New England game in which they got punched you know, re- dead in the face, they faced Jacksonville. We all know what that was this year. Washington, we know what that was. They played Cleveland, who was better than most people thought, but it's still Cleveland, a uh, game they damn near lost. They played Houston. Then they went and played uh, a playoff team in the Dallas Cowboys, and you saw what happened there. I'm sure there were some circumstances involved, but you lost the game 42-7. to Then you come back and play Tennessee. I mean, stop me when you hear a really good name here. And then you had the playoff game last week against Cincinnati, who Cincinnati, when it gets to that first round in the playoffs, might as well be Jacksonville or Washington. So, well, and without A.J.
3: Green on top of it, so you got a team that already probably wasn't going to win without their best player. So,
2: yeah. So you know, Indy's schedule down the stretch here, if I can kind of flip into college football terms, hasn't really prepared them for this for this post-season. They got their win against Cincinnati. The Colts don't strike me as a team that's going to win two playoff games this year. The future is bright. I just don't see it for them right here. Meanwhile, the Denver Broncos have quietly had another very good season. Uh, and I say quietly because Peyton Manning has not torn down every single passing record that there is out there this year. And you have uh, seen this and pointed it out on this show. They're playing pretty good defense in Denver. And perhaps they have realized that this is going to have to be a big part of our formula if we're going to undo what happened in that Super Bowl last year. We just can't go out here and throw for 400 yards and seven touchdowns. Well, I think they made week. a big adjustment. I end. think
3: they made a big adjustment adjustment purposely mid-year for two reasons. One, we talked about it on the show. I think Manning's got something going on there uh, with the mm-hmm. neck or something in there that's causing his yeah, arm. Yeah, there's some to...
2: balls fluttering out there. And while yeah, there's some balls out there that – it, that... There's no catch-up on those passes either, by the way. There's nothing. I'm <laughs> no, balls. it looks like uh, you and I are in the
3: backyard and firing balls to each other, some of them. I mean, there's some real arc on that. So, okay, first of all, I think he's got something going on. But I also think that they are smart enough to understand that they they started to build a team and, and move in a different direction for a game like this and for a game potentially next week in New England where they're going to have to run mm-hmm. the ball. And I, I think you look at the Colts, you know, they're not particularly stout up front defensively um I think Denver can run the ball early on them and soften them up and then go over the top and I look at Indy that's just a flag football team that's what I like to call them they just they when they go play action and I'm sitting on my couch I actually chuckle to myself as to say why why even waste your time faking the run cuz the other team doesn't even they don't even flinch it's like oh okay you're going to f- pretend you're handing the ball to Trent Richardson great We're coming to kill you. Yeah,
2: and a lot of that has to do with what's going on up front for the Colts. It's not the greatest offensive line. That's been pointed out there. Um, When you look at what they've been able to do on the ground or not been able to do on the ground in their last, what, seven games we're talking about here, out of their last eight games, eight games, the Colts have only managed to rush for more than 100 yards as a team four out of those eight times. When you flip over to the other side, the Broncos have gone over 100 yards rushing, six out of their last eight times and twice they went over 200 yards rushing so there's going to be a big disparity in that for sure and then we well you know where offense. i'm going with
3: you i'm with you on this game i love denver my yeah. seven this is my pick of the weekend i i saw this game shaping up last week oh yeah i love this game mm-hmm. denver's giving up 305 yards a game defensively this year which is a huge improvement for them only allowing mm-hmm. 80 yards a game on the ground now that really is of no consequence playing the Colts because the Colts can't run the ball. But what that does to me is mm-hmm. say the Colts won't even try to run the ball, which therefore allows Denver's defense to unleash Ware and Miller, and I just I I really believe this game gets ugly. I don't even think you worry about backdoors. This has the feel of forty-one seventeen to me.
2: So you think the, uh, it's a beatdown, someone's shoe's coming off and someone's getting beaten yes. in this one. Um, I, the first right time, time they, they played you.
3: this year was 31-24. I don't think it'll even come close to resembling that.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you on that. I think Denver wins this game going away. Um, I think they've you know found their groove here. And you know what? Denver wasn't too long ago they went out and lost a Monday night football game in primetime that probably still sits there in their head for motivation. And I think that's going to work in their favor. And you know what? On top of that, I I shed some light on what the Colts have played coming down the stretch. Here's what Denver has done. They've played Kansas City, a team who could have damn well been a playoff team. Same for Buffalo. Faced San Diego, who was still in this thing down to the last day. They played Cincinnati, who I kind of poo-pooed on Indianapolis' schedule. But when they played Cincinnati, I believe A.J. Green played in the game.
3: And the game was in Cincinnati. Uh,
2: And the game was in Cincinnati on a very cold night. Uh, and a Monday night, and they happened to lose that game. Um, and then, you know, they ended with with a nice little vacation to, to, to the Bay Area against Oakland. But by and large, their schedule down the stretch has been a little bit more uh, preparatory, if I could say, for, you know, a postseason contest And, you know, Denver's at home in this one. And uh, it's altitude, it's noise, and it's uh, Denver. And, I, I, you know, I like this one as a blowout as well.
3: Yeah, so so, so recapping, you have New England minus seven, you have the Cowboys plus five, and you have the Broncos minus seven, and you and I agree on two picks. I mean we we uh you know I have Carolina plus ten and a half, so we kinda just each gave we gave each a pick on Saturday. And then on Sunday we both like the Cowboys and the Broncos because I do as well. So uh we'll see where
2: that isn't goes Isn't this uh, Isn't this similar to what happened last week? I think we we agreed on two plays and then I picked the yes. game that you didn't and then you picked the game that I didn't. Same deal. Yeah. And yeah, that same went deal. well. Different week, same deal. So, uh, yeah, it did It did work out quite well for us. As this will, I proclaim it right now. We will have another big week of picking NFL games. And with that, brings us to the end. As our, our man Morrison gets cranked up here, letting us know that we've reached the end of another great Gridiron Studs weekend preview show. Uh, great NFL matchups coming up. And uh, I'm going to be uh, a part of... Some tryouts here on Saturday and Sunday for the South Florida. Will Express you be home for the games? Saturday. I will
3: not leave my couch from 4 p.m. Saturday.
2: I don't know if I'm going to make it home for the uh, for the the early game on Saturday between the, the the Ravens and the Patriots. I'll probably still be out and about dealing with the tryouts for the uh, South Florida Express 7-on-7 team. I will be home for the night game, uh, and will definitely be uh, on the couch watching what's going on. And keep uh, your eye
3: out Saturday. There'll be Raider players at those tryouts, okay?
2: Oh, wow. (laughs) I I don't know that they'll make the team, Amo. How about that, okay? I don't either. (laughs) Uh, I would hate to have to look a 12-year veteran in the eye and give him that pat on the shoulder and be like, thanks for coming out. The 16 year old got you, son. (laughs) 16-year-old has seriously gotten you beat. Perhaps you can go open up a dance club somewhere. You guys seem to be good at that. All right, enough cracking on the Raiders, man. That's my dad's team and uh, a team from my childhood that I've come to uh, fondly know and love. They're so lovable, the Raiders. Yeah, I don't bust on dad's knows. team,
3: man. Your father won't even he listen can't to do our that. show.
2: All right, well, I don't think he's listening, which oh, is man. the only <laughs> way I can. To punch the Raiders in the eye. Alright, that's the end of it here. We'd like to thank you all for listening to the Gridiron Stud show, a featured show here on Blog Talk Radio. Come back and listen to us again on Monday, and when you do, bring some friends. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the NFL stuff. We'll be back with you on Monday. Thanks for listening.